Baruch Atah Adonai, Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Kirishano B'Mitzvah B'Tzivano, Al Mikra Megillah. So we will be reading this morning in chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 1 through 18. Now, what's interesting to note, by the way, is that this whole book, each chapter is written with the acrostic of the Hebrew alphabet. Each chapter has the entire Hebrew alphabet. Now, many of you know this already, but some of you may, may not realize it. That when you're speaking on Erev Shabbat, you're speaking the Eshes uh, Chayil Baraka over your wives or over the ladies. It's not just for wives, it's for women. And you're speaking that bracha, you're speaking the entire Torah over the ladies. So every woman, this is why women are so spiritual, because every Friday night they get the entire Torah infused into their being. Where's ours? The lady says, I'll read Lamentations over you. No, don't do that. <laughs> hala. Oh, it's in the hala. Rebetzin said it's in the hala. Hala. The, uh, by the way, you know, there is a blessing that we read um, that talks about during the era of Shabbos meal, that talk about that the Shabbat is the source of our sustenance. And if you read and studied, we didn't really get into it on the Aliyah day because there was so much other stuff we we're trying to cover. But we're talking about the Halah. There's there's the discussion about the separation, separating that out is, is from the bread because the bread itself represents substance. So therefore, when we partake of the Halah on Arab Shabbat, we are actually receiving God's substance for the entire week ahead. Right? That's why we say the blessing. That's why we lift it up. Because we're, if you, and if you, and the, so conversely, if you don't do that, then you're going to be lacking in the week ahead. Because all the sustenance we have is based on Shabbat. So anyway, uh, let's get right to our reading. It says, I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of his anger. He has driven me on and on into unrevealed darkness. Only against me did he turn his hand repeatedly all day long. He has worn away my flesh and skin. He broke my bones. He besieged and encircled me with bitterness and travail. He has placed me in darkness like the eternally dead. He has walled me in so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with change, chains. Though I would cry out and plead, he shut out my prayer. He has walled up my roads with hewn stone. He tangled up my paths. He is a lurking bear to me, a lion in hiding. He has strewn my paths with thorns and made me tread carefully. He made me desolate. He bent his bow and set me up a target for the arrow. He shot into my vitals the arrows of his quivers. I have become a laughingstock to all my people object of their jibes all day long. He filled me with bitterness and sated me with wormwood. He ground my teeth on gravel. He made me cower in ashes. My soul despised of having peace. 
I have forgotten goodness. Notice what it says there. My soul despised or despaired of having peace, and I have forgotten goodness. And I said, gone is my strength and my expectation from Adonai. So we are reading here the writer, Jeremiah, talking about the, the results of the punishments that Hashem brought upon the people of Israel. And it starts out by saying, I am the man, meaning that he is the one. The simple reading of that is, he is the one that has seen firsthand what became of the, of the children of Israel um, because of their, their hateful speech, their Lashon Hara, their rejection of the Torah. We spoke about it at length uh, last week. But it's worth repeating now that everything that, has, that, bad, that was bad that befell Israel, everything that was bad that befell Israel was caused because of a rejection of God's holy Torah. Notice, by the way, it was God's holy Torah that drew, drove out the serpents and the, and the scorpions. The sages bring down that when we, when we gathered at Mount Sinai that the blind could see and the deaf could hear. That there, was, there wasn't anyone who was afflicted with any type of sickness or disease to include demon possession. And we have Mashiach in the Basora that Zach and Rayford read, that he empowered the twelve with the power to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to drive out evil spirits and so on. Why did he do that? Because he is the living Torah, and that is what the Torah did in the wilderness. So he empowers his disciples, to do just that. The sages talk about the destruction of the temple, and even though it's a very, very sad, and we're, we're confronting our, our sin, we're, we're, we're confronting the reality that we are the problem, just like in Parashah Shelach, after the spies are given the edict of, of the 40 years in the wilderness, the, immediately in chapter 15, Hashem says, when you come into the land and you bring an offering, here's what you're to do. Now, the reason that's stated there is because God was providing comfort to his people who had just been punished. Number one. Number two, there is a spiritual picture there because that discussion of offerings is talking about libation offerings. A libation offering is fermented wine that you pour onto the ground. As you, if you read about it, you find that they poured it into a special basin in the altar and it would kind of run down to the base of the altar. So you have an offering that goes up and you have a libation that goes down. And the, the spiritual picture is, number one, I'm going to bring you into the land. So even though I'm punishing you, my promise to the patriarchs is going to be fulfilled. God will fulfill his promise despite us, which is why I mentioned this week that it's not all about us. So therefore, if we continue to persist in our disobedience, he will let us persist in that disobedience and will leave us behind eventually. Now, he's very long-suffering. He's very patient with us, but he's not going to argue with us all the time. He's not going to get on Facebook and argue with us forever. <laughs> right? It'll be like the Mashiach told the disciples, dust your feet off. 
you're, you know, I've mentioned this before, but when you're looking for diamonds and you're finding a bunch of coal, you know, the people aren't diamonds yet. It takes time to form a diamond out of coal. But you could sit there and you can squeeze that coal. You can beat it on the ground. You could throw it against the wall. Become a diamond. Become a diamond. I'm not a diamond yet. Become a diamond. It's never going to become a diamond. All you're going to do is break the coal up and it will never become a diamond. That's what happens when you argue with people. Give them time. You find out. You're looking for them. They're a diamond. No, they're not. Move on. No, I've got to tell them the truth, Rabbi. No, you don't. <laughs> Besides, you already have. You've invited them to, to look at the page. You've invited to talk to them. You've mentioned about it. What, now you're going to convince them? Somebody tell me, not now, but tell me when that's ever worked. You know, I got into a running long debate on Twitter or Facebook or whatever with somebody, and uh, after... After five hours of intense fighting, they finally became a believer. <laughs> no. They blocked you and, <laughs> right? Am I right or am I right? Okay. So we have the destruction of the temple, but the sages say that when the temple was destroyed, the Mashiach was born. Meaning that there is hope in this. God is saying to you, I'm, going, I'm not going to bring you to the land now. You're going to suffer the consequences, but you will come into the land. I'm going to fulfill my promise to spite you, number one. Number two, we talked about the libation offering. The, 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 the reason the spies did not want to go in the land, one of the reasons was, I've got life easy here. There was a Christian music artist many, many, many years ago. I think in the 80s, I think it was. Keith Green. He, pa he passed away in a plane accident, but... Um, he had a, he, he's a musician and uh, kind of that early 80s, late 70s style. But he had a song and one of his uh, verses was, I've, I've called you to go, but you, you feel so called to stay. And so the, the spies, they liked the lap of luxury, man. They just, they hadn't been in the, in the desert that long and everything was provided for them. They had all, they had all the time to study. Study, 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 pray, pray, pray. They've been doing this for about a year. Food's provided for them. They don't have to go get a job. They don't study the book of job. <laughs> Their clothes are provided for them. They're cloud by day, man, fire by night. They're literally walking on clouds. Why should they leave? But the, the Torah study has a purpose. The Torah study is to go out into the world and be a light. And by the way, in, we, find, we read in our commentaries about this section of Acha that the world itself is referred to as darkness. The world itself is referred to as darkness. So when it says, be in the world but not of the world, to be in the world as a Lepidnik is to be a light in the darkness. Therefore, you're to go in there and be a light, don't become the darkness. So the libation offering, the sages talk about the fact that it brought down heaven to earth. In other words, it fell into the earth and saturated the earth, whereas the offering of elevation went up to Shemayim. So on the one hand, we're supposed to be people who are heavenly minded, right? But we are earthly good. Right. 
And so the message of the libation to the spies was, listen, know that from this point forward, you're, A, you're going to go on the land, and when you go on the land, your purpose is to bring that libation down. Now, I wanted to read this section of Midrash Shabbat to you from Midrash Shabbat Eka 151. This is the, the discussion of the temple being destroyed um, and uh, the, the mother of the Messiah. It talks about the name of the Messiah is Menachman, Menachem, Slika, and Zimach. This, this is the name that Mashiach should be called. And it says, and the following corroborates that statement of Rabbi Yudin in the name of Rabbi Avu. There was an incident with a certain man who was plowing his field. With one of his oxen load, a certain Arab passed by and said to him, of what faith are you? Now this Arab is actually an angel, as it tells us later. But anyway, said it says to him, he said to him, I'm a Jew. The Arab said to him, in that case, release your ox, release your plow. The man said to him, why should I cease plowing? And the Arab said to him, because the holy temple of the Jews has been destroyed. The Jew asked him, from where do you know this? The Arab said to him, I know it from the lowing of your ox. While he was engaged in conversation with him, the ox lowed a second time. Now, in this story, as, as we find in the commentary, the ox is actually a reference to Messiah ben Yosef, who's known as the ox. So it's the two comings of the Mashiach here. The first temple being destroyed the, of the, the ox lowing is a reference to Messiah ben Yosef coming and being killed. And he said, the ox lowed a second time, whereupon the Arab said to him, harness your ox and reattach your plow, for the Redeemer of the Jews has now been born. So the first lowing of the ox was Mashiach ben Yosef, who was slain for us. The second lowing of the ox was the Mashiach ben David has now been born. Meaning that when the Mashiach ben Yosef is, is killed, that from there comes Messiah ben David. That's why Yeshua was not concerned about being killed because he knew that he had to die in order that Mashiach ben David would come to life. So the Redeemer of the Jews has been born. The Jews said to him, and what is his name? And the Arab said to him, his name is Menachem. And the Jew then asked him, and what is his father's name? The Arab said to him, his father is Hezekiah. And the Jew said to him, which means strength, the Jew said to him, And where do they live? And he answered, In Biras Arva, which is located in Bethlehem of Judah. <laughs> There's people out there that have a Messiah, my friends, that never visited the Holy Land. The Mashiach is from Bethlehem. And by the way, Bethlehem today is totally under Arab control. If you've ever been there, it looks like a prison. And the reason it does is because Israelis don't play. <laughs> they know that out of there comes all kind of terrorists and people trying to kill everybody, so they're not, they're not playing games. They built a wall. <laughs> and they have guards. <laughs> and if you go to Israel today, if you're Jewish, if you're Jewish, I'll think about it. Use that reasoning skills I'd, God gave you and I'd try to develop in you. If you're Jewish, you cannot go to Bethlehem. Now, if you're a Christian, you can go there all day long. 
Now, don't, don't make any comments, but just think about this for a second. Satan doesn't want the Jew to go to Bethlehem. But the Christian can go there all day long. Hmm. You know, so I'm just going to ask you, if, if Jews cannot even go to Bethlehem, much less live there, how are they going to have a baby there? How the Mashiach going to come out of Bethlehem? So, and so, uh, Hasatan cursed, but he doesn't want Jews to go to Bethlehem. But it's like, listen, dummy, the Jew that matters already has come out of there anyway. So, <laughs> so he said here, um, that man, the Jew, sold his oxen and sold his plow and bought his children felt garments. He's ready to go. <laughs> He's like, I'm. This reminds me of, of Elisha. When Elijah came to Elisha, I got to love Elisha, and said, you know, basically follow me. I think he hit him with his coke or something like that. <laughs> In Texas, that would have been the start of a fight, but back then. And Elisha was plowing with oxen. And the scripture says he broke up his plow and used it for wood, and he sacrificed his oxen, or slaughtered them rather and had a big barbecue for the heat. He got with Menashe, and they, <laughs> they had a big brisket dinner for everybody. Because you know what I love about that story? He, he was burning his plow and burning his ox, and he said, I'm not going back. I am in this to win this. I love that. you got to have that mentality, because I'm going to tell you something. When you step in the ring as a Lapid Jew, you're, you're going to fight Tyson, Hogafield, uh, Apollo Creed, Clubber Lang, even Rocky's going to get in there and fight you. And you got to have the eye of the tiger. You got to, I love it, don't you love this? You've got to be willing to burn your oxen and burn your, your cart. And not, don't, don't have that, that escape plan. If this doesn't work out, I'm going to go back to my old life. Because guess what? It doesn't work that way, my friends. Trust me, it doesn't. You can't say, well, I'm just going to go back. You can't go back. There's no going back. So it says, he would enter this, the man who, had, who sold his stuff and bought his children felt garments. He would enter the city and leave to another city, enter one province and leave to another province until he reached that place at Biras Arva. He's looking for the Mashiach, you know, like the wise men were. When he arrived, all the villagers came to buy children's clothing from him, and yet that woman who was the mother of the, that child, that is the Messiah, did not buy anything from him. He said to her, Why do you not purchase children's clothing for your child? And she said to him, Because his signs are bad, those of my child. He said to her, Why do you say this? And she replied to him, For with his coming, that is his birth, the holy temple was destroyed. Now didn't Mashiach say that this temple is going to be destroyed? Now, I want you to notice in this story, there is never, ever a mention here, nor in any other version of this story, in any other Jewish work, there's never a mention of the father. It says his father was Hezekiah, but that's not literal. The word Hezekiah is, is related to the word Hazak, Hazak benitazek. The name of his father is strength. 
but there's no daddy here. How come the dad? By the way, it was, se- it was unseemly for a woman to go to the market. A man's supposed to go to the market. So how come he didn't come pick up the clothes? There's no daddy. So it says, Behold, he said to her, Why do you say this? She replied to him, For, for with his coming the temple was destroyed. Whereupon he said to her, We trust in the master of the world, that just as with your son's birth the temple was destroyed, with his birth it shall be rebuilt as well. You should therefore provide for him. He said further to her, You shall take for yourself these children's clothings, and after a few days I shall come to your house and collect your payment. She took some garments and went on her way. After a few days the man said to himself, I shall go and see that child to see what he's doing. He came to the mother and said to her, What is that child doing? And she said to him, Did I not tell you that his signs are bad? Why, even this, with his coming into the world, he uh, argued, he augured ill. For since that time that you last saw me, winds and gales came and carried him away. So wait, we have the Mashiach who's born, and then he suddenly whisked away, and now he's not here again, only to return sometime later and bring about the rebuilding of the third temple. He said to her, and did I not thus say to you that with his coming the temple was destroyed and with his coming it shall be rebuilt? So Agadas Eliyahu explains further, the Messiah's birth was proclaimed by a plowing an ox in order to allude to the fact that when the Messiah, Mashiach ben David, reveals himself, he will be helped by Messiah ben Yosef who is written about him, it says, a sovereign is, his ox like, is this ox-like one, majestic in his glory, will be like the horns of the Re'im with them, as, and he will gore the nations. Mashiach ben Yosef will conduct battles, and like an ox, he will plow the earth. He'll plow the earth like going into a tomb. Plow the earth like going into Gehenna and open up the graves. But notice, I want to, for all who would say, well, when the Mashiach comes... We know that Yeshua is not the Mashiach because he didn't establish peace on earth. Well, it says right here that when the Mashiach comes, he's going to be whisked away only to return again. But what do we know? It says in the art scroll of Humash that no one has suffered as much as Israel. In fact, this is actually to uh, chapter 2 and verse 13 doing a little exegese, if you will, today. It says, With what shall I bear witness to you? What can I compare you? What instance can I cite of any other nation that has suffered calamity equal to yours? The reality is, is that no one has suffered as much as Israel. People talk about uh, instances where people suffer, such as the Christian's you know, being fed to the lions at some point during the, during the Roman years. That was just that time frame. That was a glimpse. That was a window. Other people have suffered. People have suffered on the hands of ISIS. Absolutely. But no one has suffered for all time like Jews have. I mean, even Mr. Ford or Ford Motor Company hated us. I mean, come on. Think about that for a moment. We were hated even by a guy who started a car company. Forget about despots. Forget about Caesars. Forget about Russian lords. 
We're talking about car makers. No one has suffered like we have. And as a result, the art scroll Humash, or not Humash here, but the, uh, the commentary on Acha says that only a divine Messiah can save us. What it, well, they say it like this. You ruin, your ruin is as vast as the sea. Who can heal you? That is, the state of ruination in which Israel finds itself is so vast that its healing can be accomplished only by the Holy One, blessed be He. As it says, the me, who, who can heal you, that is, who is capable of healing you, only Hashem. It says in verse 18, they, their heart cries out to the Lord. Lechem Dima is the, of the opinion that the prophet is here addressing the Shekinah and imitating that Israel has done its part by sincerely crying out to God and now he's beseeching the wall of the daughter of Zion, that is the Shekinah, who's called the wall of the daughter of Zion, to weep for Israel on our behalf. And in Matthew chapter 23, verses 37 and 39, it says, O Jerusalem, Yeshua's talking here, and says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Now we just got through saying that we've been crying out, and now the prophet is crying out to the Shekinah who is called the wall of Jerusalem, to cry for us. And so Yeshua says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those sent to her, how often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate, for I tell you, you will never see me again until you say, Baruch haba b'shem Adonai. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. When it says here, <coughs> pardon me, your house is left to you desolate, it's talking about the temple on one hand, but notice he says, I will, you won't see me again. So the house of Adonai, the temple, is directly associated with the Messiah. I mentioned this last week, but I wanted to cite the source here this morning. Rabbeinu Bakya is commenting here as to... Uh, the book of Shemot 12, 12, and he's talking about Memtet. And the verse is, and against all the deities of Egypt, I will carry out judgments. It says, again, God employs the pronoun I to emphasize that he would not employ any delegate such as an angel who is normally assigned. It says here that he would not assign even Memtet. To, the, to this redemption from Egypt. But, Rebbein Ubaqiyah points out that the meaning of the word Memtet, that name, transliterates as Morah Derech, teacher of the way. And in Greek, it's called mentor. So the word mentor in Greek is actually the word Memtet in Hebrew, and that name means teacher of the way. Now, just moving right along here, just real quick, and we have just a few minutes left. Some of y'all look sleepy, so we're hurrying here. What was the sin of the spies? According to... Parashah, or excuse me, to the book of Acha, 
verse 218, chapter 2, verse 18, it says, Give yourself no respite. Do not let the apple of your eye be still. The commentator writes, Rav Yaakov Emden says, The greatest sin of all is that we in our time stopped mourning properly for Jerusalem. I am convinced that in, it is punishment for this. Our exile has lasted so long. We have never been able to find rest, and we are always being persecuted. Historically, whenever we found some security in any of the lands of our exile, we forgot Jerusalem and did not place it at the foremost place in our minds. And so when we're talking here about, the, about mourning, about mourning the temple, about Tishbab, you have to understand that, yes, we're mourning, but in our mourning, we are ex actually, when we properly mourn with the right kavanah, we are expediting the coming of the Mashiach. By the way, Sar Shalom Tulsa, you say, well, that's a great endeavor. They're going to have a great congregation. Life is going to be good. Right, 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 right. And they're expediting Mashiach coming. The when you, you who are watching online, people watching from New York, Houston, Florida, people are watching from Kansas. Uh, there are other areas. I mean, there's people who watch from all over the world. People watch from uh, Aruba, Finland. You have to understand that the moment you turned on your TV or your tablet or whatever you're doing, you're watching this and you're starting to get plugged in, you are a part of bringing Mashiach to the world. We are not, my friends, passive uh, actors in this. Well, I, as if we're just kind of, we're on the sidelines just waiting. No, your mitzvah keeping, your engagement, your involvement, all has a very important and very serious part to play in the bringing of the Mashiach. And so when we forget Jerusalem, and that's what the spies did, the spies pun intended, despised Jerusalem. They wanted to go back to Egypt. They wanted to re be connected with that secular world. They wanted to be in the world and of the world. They despised the Holy Land. They despised Jerusalem. They didn't want anything to do with it. And as a result, that was the major sin. He has made my 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 life a life of sin now i just want to cover one last thing because there's so much that could be said in various parts of this but in the art scroll homage to Acha, we have a statement here about the sin of the, of of what brought us to this this point and it directly correlates with the sin of the spies it says the gemara teaches that the second temple was destroyed because of baseless hatred. This is found in Yoma 9b. It says the Talmud and the Midrash speak briefly about this, about the animosity, but the historians tell us very explicitly, including, or actually most elaborately, Josephus. It says the era before the destruction was one of division and dissension of factions and frictions each party had its fiercely held ideology and went to war against its counterpart. Had the people been united, they could never have been defeated. However, through feuding and discord, the nation was weakened from within. 
The enemy exploited these eternal weaknesses, and we were defeated. Our Midrash is telling us that these deadly schisms emerged first in the general populace. This is going back, by the way, to the verse that talks about my flesh, my skin, my bones are crushed. <clears throat> it says the flesh it refers to the people. The skin refers to the leadership because the skin is what keeps everything held together. And that the bones refer to the, the great ones, the Zadokim, who were the bones of the community. And once those bones are crushed, the community has no place to stand, which is one of the reasons prophetically why the Mashiach's bones were never broken. His flesh was beaten for the people. His skin was ripped off of him to punishment for the leadership. But his bones were never broken because the Zadok will remain and therefore the community will remain. It says, this was our past, wrote Rabbi Yitzkar Shlomo Tekta. We argued, we fought. He was writing this in, during the World War II in Budapest. He said, this is our past and it's also our present. The Satan, Hasatan Kurspihi, still dances amongst us and causes strife. But it need not be our future. He says, the great disciple of the Baal Shem Tov, the Magid of Metzrik, said to the Magid of Metzrik said to his students upon his deathbed, My children, you should keep yourselves united. For if you do, you will overcome every obstacle, and you will go forward and not backward, heaven forbid. As scripture indicates in Job twenty three thirteen, and if he is one that is united, who then can turn him back? As we conclude our drosh today, let's remember Shalak and, and the destruction of the temple and what the message is trying to tell us, and that is that we must stay united. Amen. We must keep away from maklokit, from, from these controversies that are not for the sake of heaven. Amen. And it's appropriate that we have Sarshalom Tulsa here because unity is what's needed. Unity is what brings strength. And you'll find that people that have a spirit of this unity and try to stir up strife in a congregation, it's always over dumb things. It's over stupid little silly things, little nuances. Now, not every congregation is going to be, our congregation is not necessarily going to be united with, with a with the Messianic congregation across town. We're not going to hate them, but we're not necessarily going to be united with them because we don't have the same agenda, the same mission. We're not talking about universal kumbaya. <laughs> That's nonsense anyway. We're talking about inside the community. And when that spy comes to you and says, whisper, 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 I don't like this, I don't like that, you talk to any leadership about it? No, you know, no. I just want to talk to you, you know. And say, well, talk to the hand. Get thee behind me. But what do we know? What do we know? 